seated. Our children may be dismissed with our volunteers in the back to go to Children's Church. And for those of you who remain, whether here in person or on the live stream, I'll invite you to turn with me in your Bibles. We'll be taking a second week to look at Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, although we will be focusing on verses 5 and 6. This is God's Word. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. When the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would Reveal to us afresh and anew the power of your Holy Spirit. You have poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That we might live as those who have that sure and certain hope of eternal life. We ask that you would do these things, that we might live for your glory. That we might share the good news of who you are to all who have ears to hear. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the Sunday where I always feel the most sick and tired. I hate daylight savings time or the end of it or the beginning of it, whichever. I I don't care about spring forward, fall back. There is no net gain from this. I think it's terrible. And that's one of the only petitions I've ever signed is to, to end it. I don't care if you split the difference. I don't care if you pick this time. I don't care if you pick that time. Just, just keep it the same. It seems like every, every year it's like a whole week of just adjusting. And I'm weary, and I'm tired, and I'm stressed and cranky, more so than usual. And nobody, nobody really enjoys being around me. But as I, as I think about life in this world, there is a lot more than just daylight savings time to be sick and tired about. There are all sorts of sources of exhaustion and worry and frustration and despair that just abound to us. There are these cultural pressures. We live in a world where it's, it's, there's never enough. It's always more, more, more. Give, give, give. Achieve, achieve, achieve. Invest, invest, invest. Get, get, get. And it's exhausting. There's political turmoil all around us. 
you can't just stay above the fray. Everybody wants you to pick a side and everybody's angry about it and everybody's angry at you no matter which side you pick. And it's just frustrating. There's the endless scroll of social media so that even our connections with the community can't just be full of delight and joy. There's always somebody on next door who's found something to rant about, no matter how petty or ridiculous. And you can just keep going and keep scrolling and keep seeing all of the bad and terrible things because they don't get more views by all the good things. There are all sorts of relational sources of weariness and frustration. Broken marriages, broken relationships with parents or children, weariness with coworkers, bosses, employees, neighbors, all sorts of just relational angst and weariness and worry. And if all that's not enough, our own person, our own bodies, our own minds, our own souls, we we find all sorts of sources in our own selves to bring us weariness, sickness, our sin nature, our own loneliness, our own spiritual drift, it can be wearisome and leave us sick and tired. What are we to do about this? Depends on who you ask. You'll get a whole bunch of different suggestions. If you go to the the life improvement guru, you know, you might get a a pep talk and a a speech Buck up, try harder, work more, it'll all work itself out. You go to your, you know, neighbors living in the joy and ease of retirement. I mean that sarcastically. I've never met more busy people than retired people. You all are all, all running around doing all kinds of things. At least, hopefully, it's things that you love and want to do. You can go to your retired neighbor and they say, well, just... Just take it easy, relax, play more golf, which was never a source of peace and comfort for me. You might go to your politician and say, well, what we need to do is get together and we need to get these laws passed and these people in office and then everything is going to be better. But when you go to the scriptures, you find a theme that permeates from the beginning to the end. That's summed up in this verse from the prophets, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not with earthly strength, not with human and fleshly power, but through his spirit, his Holy Spirit, the Lord is going to work great and wondrous things. He's going to apply that peace that we have with God, that peace which passes all understanding. He is going to bring forth his fruit that is characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He is the comforter, the helper, the counselor who will abide with his people forever and ever. But do we understand 
what this Holy Spirit power is really about. Do we comprehend? Have we experienced what it means to, if you'll forgive the phrase, tap in to this Holy Spirit power? Do we have any idea what it's really all about? Or is our assessment of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does informed more by things we read in Christian novels or things we've picked up on TV or seen in movies, do we understand Holy Spirit power? We could spend a whole series on this, and maybe one day that we will, but today we're going to consider three things that we see in this passage that we see the Holy Spirit does as he works his mighty power. And we'll see it summed up in these words. The washing of regeneration, the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he has poured out on us richly. Regeneration, renewal, richly. We had a whole class in seminary on how to make everything start with the same letter. So there we go. I'm kidding, we didn't have. Let's look at Holy Spirit power. First, I want us to consider this theme of regeneration. The the Holy Spirit applies salvation to us. He initiates it with us by regenerating us. Now, we can have an altogether too academic a view of what this really means and really entails. We can sort of stand far off and say, oh, that's, yes, this is, he does this first and he does that second, he does that third, and we just have an intellectual understanding of what it means for the Holy Spirit to regenerate us, what it means for him to apply salvation to us. We can list the doctrines, imputation, effectual calling, and not get a sense of what it really means. Some friends of ours, you know who you are, gave Tracy and I tickets to a fundraiser that they couldn't attend, and it was fun. I mean, they had all food trucks, and all sorts of things. A band was playing that was really good, oysters of every kind, fixed every way you could imagine. They had all sorts of drawings and you know, thing, ways to raise money for these good causes. And we're there standing in line at a food truck, and all these people are like, well, this is so great. Well, we're so glad you're here. Thank you for your support of all that we're doing. And there was somebody that I had met in some other function in the community is like, oh, wow, I didn't expect to see you here. I'm so glad that you're a part of this, this great event. And the whole time we, we were, we, we didn't buy these tickets. We didn't contribute any money. We are not rope movers and shakers in the community. We were enjoying the blessing and status. These other people, we could go all to all these different places, the members only section, the the special drawing. We, we were entered into it. I didn't have to do anything. There was all sorts of just joyful participation in this event because somebody else had applied their status to us, had given us their tickets, had granted us interest, entrance into that event. And the Holy Spirit, in a, in a very similar, maybe a, even a more profound way, He washes us. 
He regenerates us. Literally, He gives us new life. If you've ever heard the phrase, being born again, this is what it is speaking of. To be brought from from being a place where you were hostile to God. But now, now you are washed and made new, and you are no longer in the core of your being at odds with him, not because of works of righteousness that you have done, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration. You are brought from a place where you were blind to the grace and the kindness and the, the joy and peace of the Lord to a place where you, you now are, are able to receive those things, to see them for what they are. You were brought from a place where you were dead. Dead to the things of God, dead to his blessings, dead to everything that is good in him. You were washed and regenerated and brought to a place of new life. That you are free to live and go to all the places and enjoy all the benefits and all the blessings because the Holy Spirit, in applying salvation to you, made you alive in Christ with the washing of regeneration. Baptism is a sign and seal of this that points not so much to the faith of the individual, to the faith of the parents, but to the glorious power of God to bring life where there is death, to bring bring hope where there is despair, to bring about a new birth even in those who were once hostile and alienated to the Lord. The Holy Spirit is the initiator. He acts first. He washes us, regenerates us, and purifies us in Christ to be the Lord. I wonder sometimes, do we as Christians live in a proper awe of of God, the Holy Spirit? Do we fully appreciate who he is and what he has done? Why is it that Paul has to remind the Christians in Crete, it's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing, regeneration, renewal of the Holy Spirit. If there's not a temptation in us to begin to think, we are in the place where we are with the Lord because we've gotten ourselves there. Is there a temptation in us to look out on our non-Christian neighbors or our non-Christian co-workers or our non-Christian friends and family members and to think that somehow we are better than they are. Oh, we would never say it that way. But subtly do we begin to think, it's something that I've done. It's something that I've understood. I, I heard the gospel and 
I took the steps to believe. I embraced it. I made this decision. I did this. I did that. I'm smarter. I'm better. I'm good looking and doggone it. God just likes me. Do we have a tendency to forget the power of the Holy Spirit in our ministry to those in need? Thinking that we can bully them into repentance or argue them into the faith or somehow find just the right words where it'll all make sense to them and they'll get their lives together. Or do we live moment by moment, day by day, with a proper awe? of the Holy Spirit, his power, and his work in us, through us, and in others. We read elsewhere in Scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, that the church is being built together. Each each believer is like a a brick in the the building that is the, the holy temple of God, the church. With Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone, we're being built together In the Spirit. We can't even make the church better apart from the the operation of the Spirit. What, What does this mean for us? How might this encourage us to, to step out into the world as believers with more humility? To not think so highly of ourselves to not be so confident that we have all the right understanding about all the things. Or to step out into the world with wonder, always eager and expectant to see what is this Spirit of God at work doing right now because He isn't lost, He isn't Hiding, he isn't taking a break. He is at work right now, bringing new life where there is death. Do we have eyes to see where he is at work? Does it lead us to wonder and worship? A worship that doesn't rely on dead human effort. I gotta try to memorize more. I gotta try to sing louder, i got to try to figure out how to pray with more of these and thous, or, or a worship that is truly powered by the very Spirit of God dwelling and living in us. That, that doesn't need to be restrained. What, it, what would it mean, our ministry to those around us who are not believers? Family members, parents, children, neighbors, co-workers, friends. Would it, would it not move us to be even more persistent in prayer? Should it not remind us moment by moment that, that we aren't even Members of the body of Christ, because we were the ones who took initiative. It's because of the Holy Spirit of God. Let us call on him all the more and not grow weary to see him initiate with those so near and dear to us.
but not give us, even in the sadness and the grief and the despair of watching those we love wander from the Lord, would it not yet give us some sliver of hope that our God is at work and he is able? In his time, in his way, for his glory, not at our command, but he is able and willing. What would it mean for our ministry as a church? Out in the community, out in the world, as individuals and as a body, would it not encourage us to be bold, not in adopting the tools and weapons of this world to bring people to Christ, but to adopt the very methods of our Lord and the power of His Spirit? See, there, there's, there's always some who will say, well, if we're really going to reach the world, what we really need to do is just be nicer and kinder and more accepting and not really call attention to things that are unhealthy or sinful even. Let's just try our best to love people blandly and not make them uncomfortable. And then there are others who say, no, we need to get in gear. We need to be loud. We need to, to use all, we need to gather together, band together, use our power. We need to, to make people see. If we need to do it politically, we need them to, to see that this is the better way and they need to conform. And we're going to give it to them whether they like it or not because we know they need it. And, th- and then there is the Lord Jesus who doesn't fall into either trap. In the power of the Spirit, he is able to step into the hard places and call sin, sin. But abound to it with grace and say, they are forgiven. Go and live in those sins no more. Live in a new life. What would it look like for us to step boldly into those places, looking for and expecting the Spirit to work, not being afraid to speak truth, being afraid to abound with loving kindness and grace, the same loving kindness and mercy and grace that the Lord showed us when he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he regenerates us and applies salvation to us. The Holy Spirit, he also renews us and works that salvation out in us. All too often, we can just stop at a surface level of these things. Sort of like getting that gym membership, right? Oh, it's only $5 a month, and you join, and you have this great plan. You're going to do all these things, and then you never go. Like There are gyms that exist. Maybe you know this already. Their whole business model is, let's get as many people to be members because we know they're not coming and they're not going to take the effort to cancel the subscription. So let's do it that way. And, and then you just, you're just, you're a part, you're a member, you've got the card, you get the emails, but you never have any benefit of it. 
Then there's the Costco membership. Where I was in line at Costco, I'd done all the shopping, I'd gotten all the things, and I pull up and it says, boop, your, your, your membership has expired. And I'm like, oh, no. You're like, aren't you on auto renew? And I'm like, I am now. They, they let me just sign up right there. There was, but, and I go, and we have the benefits of being a member of this, this great store that has all these wonderful things in and pizza and churros to boot. We can, we can stop at the surface level and just be card-carrying people, or we can know the renewal of the Holy Spirit. This, this word here and in this context is referring primarily to that initial renewal in us, that conversion where we not only are made alive, but we believe and turn from the things that brought death back to the Lord who brings life. And we are united to Christ and receive all of his benefits, justification, sanctification, glorification. But it's that initial renewal that fuels all of the ongoing renewal that we experience for the rest of our lives, that the Holy Spirit works in us as he not only turns us and brings us newness, not just regenerating us and leaving us, but renewing us and, and, and directing us more and more towards the Lord day after day after day after day, such that Paul can write elsewhere in Colossians 3, that we are renewed daily is the implication in the knowledge and image of our creator. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He doesn't just make us alive and then abandon us. He works change and transformation in us. Enabling us to have a faith and a repentance that is not surface level, but works itself out with power. How how do we need to to rethink this renewal of the Holy Spirit? How is it that we need to to take it more seriously or to to understand it more deeply so that we are no longer on this surface level of Christianity? We know deeply the power of the Holy Spirit to bring change in us. How does that even work? We're talking essentially here about this process of, of the Holy Spirit calling, regenerating, converting, saving sinners. What does it look like for us to live that out day to day? One of the benefits of being united to Christ, one of the benefits of having the Holy Spirit work His power in us is sanctification. This growth in holiness to become more and more like Jesus. But there are these, there are these two aspects of sanctification, and sometimes we, we forget them. There is this definitive sanctification where God declares, you are holy, you are a holy race, a chosen people for my own possession. You are saints, holy ones, because I have said so. 
And then there's this progressive aspect to sanctification, where he works that out in us more and more and more, where we learn by the, by the word and the spirit to live as sons and daughters of the king, to walk by the spirit, to walk in the light. And you have to have both. This renewal has both. It's that initial and ongoing transforming power. If you just rest in this definitive sanctification, I am a child of God, and now I can go live any way that I want as if my heavenly father was just some indulgent, enabling parent who just lets you get away with murder no matter how unhealthy it is. Or if you just focus on this progressive aspect of it, thinking you have to keep striving and become more and more holy, forgetting that already you have been declared a child of God. There is nothing left for you to earn. He is helping you to grow into what you have already been declared. It leads to exhaustion and despair. When we have both, when we understand the fullness of the renewing power of the Holy Spirit, it allows us to go deeper and deeper into that renewal. What might that look like? Think about it this way. Maybe this is not your problem, but I used to work for a NASCAR team, and I know all the bad words. And I'm not going to tell you what they are. Don't ask. But let's say somebody, they asked me from time to time, why don't, why don't you say all of these things, and why don't you correct us all the time? And I'm like, I'm not your mother. You know better. Um, but... Let's say one of those took that to heart and decided, ah, if I love the Lord, I, I maybe shouldn't use such coarse language all the time. And he works really hard over time to, to have a lips that say good things and not bad things. And if he stopped there, fine, that's okay. But if he's not willing to dig deeper. He won't find out, well, why was I doing all of that? Why was I talking that way? And he realizes he's really irritable all the time. And that was a way for him to, to let off that irritation and it just sort of direct it at other things or other people. The part wouldn't go in well or this person was driving them nuts. And so they could just say bad things. And, well, then, well, why am I irritable all the time? And he's, maybe the Spirit leads him to go deeper and find out that it's not just that I'm irritable. I'm just angry when things don't go my way. Why? Why am I angry when things don't go my way? Why do things have to go my way? Maybe I need to go deeper into this. And he starts to realize just how selfish and self-centered he is. And when things don't go just the way he decided they needed to go, just the way he planned, he just lashes out because he has just lived life as if everything is owed him. And people need to do the way he wants them to do. And things need to work the way he wants them to work. And in that, he starts to go deeper and realize how uncaring he is towards those around him because he has lived as one who seeks all of this from others but is not willing to give that kindness away. And he realizes that in this lack of care and compassion towards those around him, he has avoided the sacrifice that Christ called him to, to deny himself, take up a cross and follow him. And in avoiding following Jesus, he has withheld the very blessing of God's grace to those around him because he's been so consumed with his own needs and his own desires. 
And suddenly, as he goes deeper and deeper and deeper, he sees how great his need really was. And it wasn't just that he had lips quick to use coarse language. It was that in the depths of his very heart and soul and person, there was a corruption of sin. This old man that remained in him that he was blind to. But the Holy Spirit gives sight and gives power and gives us the ability to go deeper and deeper into this renewal to be truly changed, not just on the surface, but in the core of who we are so that we move from being a people who are just worried about the facade to a people who long for the sake of Christ and his glory to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him because in him is eternal life. The Holy Spirit is the only one who has the power to help you know that kind of renewal and that kind of transformation. And he is at work bringing it about. And maybe you're thinking, it it seems like it's not enough. And yet we read here that the Holy Spirit is poured out on us richly. It's a reminder that the Holy Spirit abounds to us in grace. Maybe you are thinking to yourself, well, I've only just begun to scratch the surface. Maybe you don't struggle with Course language. Maybe you struggle with anxiety. Maybe you struggle with despair. Maybe you struggle with reining your desires and lusts and passions in. Maybe you struggle with a need for affirmation. Maybe you struggle with whatever it is. You haven't even begun to ask the why. And as you start to do so, it feels overwhelming. Who is able to bear all of these things? All of this grief, all of this loss, all of this uncertainty. And maybe you're tempted to think that passage in John 3, when Jesus is meeting with Nicodemus and he says, the Holy Spirit, you have to be born again, born of water and the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, he's like the wind. You can't control him. You can't control the wind. You can't control the Holy Spirit. You are wondering, doubting maybe, that what if the Holy Spirit doesn't feel up to helping you go deeper in that renewal today. We read here, he's not some little wind blowing a few leaves and bits of grass and chaff around. He has been poured out on us richly. Image here is is not of a dribble, not of a drip, not even of turning a couple faucets on in the house. The imagery here is of Niagara Falls times a bazillion. The image here is of a hurricane force winds that are abounding with power all to God's people that he's made his own. This Holy Spirit has been poured out on us through Christ Richly. It doesn't mean it's easy to go deeper into that renewal. It doesn't mean that it's 
comfortable to see the depths of your sin exposed doesn't mean that it's a walk in the park to live the Christian life, denying yourself, taking up a cross, and following Jesus. But he has sent us his spirit in abundance, who is the comforter, who is the helper, who is able to equip us to be united to Christ and one another, and to be renewed day by day by day, that we might grow in him. Where do you need to see and experience that Holy Spirit power anew? Where does your life and progress in the faith seem stuck? Where do your relationships or troubles or problems seem overwhelming? Where have you had your devotion to pursue good works quenched by the wickedness of this world, by the weariness of life? The Holy Spirit, who has been poured out on us, is not resting. He is working. He's bringing new life. He is renewing the, the people of God. He is bringing change and transformation in ways that you can't even begin to comprehend. What would it look like for us to be a people devoted to prayer, seeking the Holy Spirit to guide us and empower us, seeking wisdom to know where to look, to see where he's out, to, to have the courage to step into those hard places knowing the Spirit of God is there to bind up the brokenhearted, to give strength to the weary, give us wings as eagles. May the Holy Spirit abound to us, give us new life and renewal today. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have sent your Spirit to bring your word, your truth, and your power to bear on us, your people. If you left us to ourselves, we would be overwhelmed. We would be consumed. But you are at work. You reveal your disposition towards your people by giving of your Spirit richly. You would not hold us at arm's length, but you would draw us near. You would change us, that you would mold us, that you would shape us, that you would form us. Oh God, give us eyes to see how you are at work in this now. Give us courage to step into those hard places. Help us to go deeper in that renewal. Individually, as a church, as a culture, oh Lord, that we might see Christ glorified. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.